I think that one of the difficulties in the house of God is being able to determine who you are as a son and who you are as a servant. Are you following this thing? Who you are as a son and who you are as a servant. Determining what your work with God is and what your work for God is. Being able to determine these two things. And then I brought your mind, when I was ministering on this message in the meetings, I brought your mind to the fact that in the scriptures, the Bible talks about two kinds of righteousness. And then I said to you that there is a righteousness that relates to your sonship. And then there's a righteousness that, is, that, that relates to your servanthood. And the reason I'm bringing this to you, I, I want to talk about this at the same time, is because many times when we talk about righteousness, we talk, we talk about about the grace of God, it gives you an idea that there's nothing you need to do. And you just need to just like just believe and and you'll be righteous and you don't have to do anything in order to merit God's salvation. Which is very true. But then on another occasion we talk about things you have to do, like winning souls, like and I think it's all about activity. And so sometimes it's hard to place the relevance. Are we saying that we need to win souls and do this to please God? Yet on another 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 moment, we're talking about how that there's nothing you need to do to please God, only belief. And so you start wondering where do you place these two things in your Christian work? That is why I'm doing this topic. Do you understand? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Follow the English. It's like a certain king. Who, so it's not talking about, the kingdom of heaven is not like a king. It's like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. This year is going on. So the kingdom of heaven is like a king who is arranging a marriage for his son. So it's likening the kingdom of heaven to a wedding feast organized by a king. For his son. So in one in one scenario, you could picture the kingdom of heaven like this. Picture a wedding that a king is putting together for his son. It's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Next verse. And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. That means before the wedding, he sent invitation. Now it was time. And they went to go and call them and they will not come. Let's this. Again, he sent out other servants. He sent out other servants. He didn't send the servants again. Other servants. He sent out other servants. Saying, tell those who are invited. See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed. And all things are ready. Come to the wedding. 
One day I was sharing with you in church where I spoke about the ox. As a particular message, I spoke about the ox. I spoke about I spoke about the alive and then the thief. I spoke about I spoke about the that message. I spoke about how that in the Hebrew, the Hebrew alphabet are represented with symbols. Remember. And I spoke about how that the first symbol is represented by the ox, and then the final one is represented by the cross. And, and so in the scriptures, the ox represents Christ. Because what began as an ox ended on the cross. That is why the beginning and the end is representation of Christ. Are you getting the point? The Christ said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That is why in the even in the Hebrew language, the representation of the alphabet signifies Christ. Signifies not Christ necessarily, but it represents the story of Christ. Almost everything that God does is a representation of the story. It's a testament to the to the Christ. What he would do, what his life would be like. So he said here that, no, go back to the previous verse. Again, he sent out, and I want to show you, this is the, for the first time, I want to show you what, what the parable says in, for those of you that were in the this meeting, hopefully this will give you a better understanding from what I was saying the other day. So he says, he sent us, so first he sent us servants to, 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 to inform those who are previous verse. I was expressing, I don't know for the right word that they used. And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. So you see, the first instance, he sent them to go and call them to come. Then the next verse, he tells us that he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed. He's referring to the same thing, actually. He's referring to how that. At this point, you see, this one, it's actually a story of, 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 of the life of Christ and how things have played out. When it talks about the ox and the fatted cattle are killed, the ox is a cattle. It says, my oxen and fatted cattle. The, look at this, look at this. The ox represents the Christ, but the fatted cattle represents the good, I want to listen to this represents the, the, the good of the land. You see, Christ, it represents the fat things that Christ brings, the, the, the benefits of being in Christ. So, not, like, even though you are saved, it's not all that Christ brought to you. You see? Even though he brought you eternal life, inside eternal life, there are fat things. That's why we can preach about prosperity in Christ. We can preach about divine health. All of that are the fatted cattle. It's the fat things. It represents the fatness of the Christ. So he told the second, the second father went out, went to go and tell them that the fatted cattle are killed. It means at this point Christ has been killed. So who are the second, who are the second batch of servants that he sent out? These are represent, I believe, that the apostles. Because first, and I'll show you that in a in Tazis meeting that he spoke about when we when we learn about the message that the prophets preached. I showed the two scriptures. That represents, 
or that tells you about what kind of message did the prophets preach? What, mes- what was the content of their message? It, was, it has always been Christ. Listen, Christ was not preached after he came. He has been preached ever from the beginning. So the lamp was slain before the foundation of the earth. It means that Christ has been God's plan from the beginning. God does not have contingency plans. God's plans is fixed when he makes the plan. Like God's plan, it came with him. God's plan is one. He is his plan. What I'm trying to say is that God, God doesn't make plans. God has plans. Like God's plans are from the beginning. God came with his plan. It was ever a, a time when he came. I him. So God doesn't make plans. And so I read, we read, let's, let's go there, Acts 10 verse 43. So Acts 10 verse 43. So this is the story of Cornelius. How Peter went to Cornelius' house. 43. To him, all the prophets witnessed that. Says to him, all the prophets witnessed that. Witness. The word witness means what? Testify. That one is to be. Go to that way. Witness. Testify. So witness is to testify. But it says that all the prophets testify about him. Are you following this thing? They testify about him. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So exact. It says that every prophet, not, not Samuel, all the prophets. That means every single prophet that lived before Christ was living and testifying that anyone, look at this, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. They didn't preach another message, but they preached the Christ. Messes. No, 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 what's the verse before? Where is that one? The one that says, Aha, he he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that and to testify that it is he who was ordained, appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And I've told that the word judge here is to justify. Let's see what NIV says. I think you judge. Let's see another translation. Let's amplify. Amplify. Message. God destined as judge of the living and the dead. He amplified. Amplified my habit. You have amplified today. God ordained judge of the living and the dead. The word there is justify. It's not like that. You almost said that we could be condemned. So the word is justify. That means he's the one who has been empowered. He was the one that God has appointed to be able to save both the living and the dead. That's what they are saying. That's why David said that, says, that shall not leave my soul in hell. The, David, all the time he lived, was looking forward to a coming Christ. That's what happens. Christ, the cross of Christ is timeless. So those that live before him, they look forward to the cross for their salvation. We look backwards to the cross of our salvation. But they look forward to the cross of their salvation. If the cross is able to save people 2,000 years from, the, from, from that time, then it can save people 2,000 years before. The same cross is able to save all. 
Many times, eh, people don't think about their Christianity practically. That's why people allow the devil to, to, to condemn them. Think about it. This same cross, you appear 2,000 years later, yet you believe that the cross will save you. After that's really saving you, you are thinking that, oh, one sin that you commit in some corner somewhere is the reason why God will condemn you. Meanwhile, the, why can't the cross, listen, when I, if I say something like, if I say, if I say that, the cross is able to forgive your past sins, your future sins. People have issue with it. But why can't the cross, why can't the cross save you of your future sins? Why can't it cleanse your future sins? Why is that so hard to believe? You, you are future to the cross. I hope you know that. You as a person, you are future to the cross. You are 2,000 years away. Yet, it was, it was efficacious enough to save you. Your sins was not too much in the future for it to save you. Yet, you find it hard to believe that the sin you commit two years from now, God is able to claim it. He is faithful and just. If you confess, look at this scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Are you listening to this thing? He's telling you that. Ah, Master. If you and I confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How is it that John is so sure that the sin that we commit, no matter the sin, God will forgive us? How is he so sure? He's telling that God is faithful. Faithful to what? To what he has said, that he will forgive you of everything. It is because the cross of Christ is able to save all sins. It's able to cleanse all sins. It is based on that, that he's sure. That it doesn't matter the sin you go and commit. He, God, is able... Do you know what? Colossians... We'll come back to the scripture. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 21. And you... For, uh, you know, for the first, first time, I saw this in a different light. When I read it today. And you... Who once were alienated and enemies in your listen, and enemies in your mind by wicked works? He's saying that, listen, he's saying that we were alienated and enemies of God in our mind by wicked works. He's not saying that your wicked works has not made you enemies. He's saying that you see, people's wicked works eh, is the reason why they think that God hates them. Because of their wicked works. They think that they are so evil that God cannot accept them. So they were enemies only in their mind. In the books of God, whenever enemies. But man went away from God because of their mind. Because of their wicked works that existed only in their mind. Why am I showing this scripture? It's because what John, what John said. John said, if you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. We are not confessing our sins for him to forgive us. He's saying that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. And he is just to forgive us. As if it is only when we confess our sins that he will forgive us. No. 
God's promise of the cleansing is not dependent on our confession of sins. It's not dependent on that. Because if you think about it really, men are only going away from God because of their mind. The only reason why a person needs to confess their sins is because it gives them comfort. It appeases their conscience. God doesn't need to confess our sins before he forgives you. He doesn't. Who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked ways, yet now he has reconciled. Next verse. Look at this one. Says, he has reconciled us to him in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. Ah, I love this. To present you holy, blameless. He said that Christ, when he saved you and brought you to God, he presented you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. In the sight of God, we are holy. We are blameless. We are above reproach. That is what God sees when he looks at you. God accepts you as Christ. Blameless. Above reproach. Look for the meaning of reproach. Look for it in the dictionary. So nobody knows. And this is the last. Yeah, look for it, look for it. To, to criticize or what? Are you, listen, it says, the Bible says that then we are above, the above what? Read the reproach. To degrade or bring shame upon, or to, to criticize or rebuke. He is saying that in the sight of God, we are above rebuke. We are above criticisms. You are above condemnation. That means that no devil can appear and condemn you based on your actions. I want to, I want to, I want to tell you, I like the topic I did because I want to give you the two sides of the issue. In the presence of God, we are holy. We are blameless. We are above reproach in his sight. This is what it means to be called as a son. I feel I'm doing. Uh, there are two kinds. You see, our ministry to the Lord is in two, in two parts. Our sonship and our servanthood. Somebody following me? Yes, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew. I do not, I do not. 
Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. It's what he told them to do. He said, Come. Jesus Christ came and said, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The master brought the kingdom. He came with the kingdom. He came with the kingdom. And he died on the cross, went to the grave, and came out. And so he says, Go and tell them that. The father cattle are killed. All things are ready. Come now. Come now. Nervous. And he said, But they made light of it and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his own to his business. Nervous. And the rest seized the servant, treated him spitefully, and killed him. People. But they made light of it. I was saying the last time that don't make light of the things of God. Don't make light of the things of God. Listen, God will prefer to use a thief over someone who makes light of his things. God will rather use a liar than the one who makes light of his things. If you call two people and ask them, oh, this guy is a thief, wrong with the guy from the area. This guy, they say, you you steal a thief right now. You thief you. <laughs> and then it seems that guy, Onaye's oh, guy, where's the Echo Bank? Every time I go to work, it's a briefcase. And they ask him, which of these people can God use? Everyone will point to that guy. What they don't know is that that guy, on Sunday morning, he doesn't go anywhere. In fact, he doesn't go to church, but he'll stop there. Everyone will go to church in his house. And they be ah, sorry, and they be ah, listen to this. God would rather use the thief than to use that guy. God would rather use the thief. Be careful of such people. He said, but they made light of it. They made light of it. People, be careful of people that make light of God's things. Who make light of God's things? After the classic example in the Bible is Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob. Classic example. Jacob was a thief. Jacob was a liar. He was everything that a lazy man. He's a fine job. He's the kind that 
Every day you are sleeping, every day go and find a job. One of my friends told me one day, I met a guy, oh, the guy laughed. The guy said, Oh, Charlie, this is not a good job. He went to sleep in the house, I'm going to turn off the fan. He said, I'm going to look for a job. Go and do course in school, let's do aerospace engineering. Who employ you? If you don't get a job at airports, that's the end of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, aerospace. If you sleep, you don't have the fun. Because <laughs> 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 they're tormenting in the house. <laughs> the mother is tormenting the boy. <laughs> that's Jacob. Unless they're 22 hours, say $2,000. Jacob, Jacob, lazy guy. When the brother is hunting, hunting, he's sleeping in the house. But the Bible said that, look at what God said. God said about Esau. Esau I hate, but Jacob I've loved. So no more You reign forever. Your name, Jesus, to be hallowed is to be hallowed. You reign forever. Your name, Jesus, is great forever. You reign forever. Your name is forever. Where is it? Wait, 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 I found it. I found the scripture. You found it. Where is it? Hey! Malachi, Malachi was to show us. I've not seen that before. I've not seen that before. Let me show you his friend. Malachi is the one that's let's, let's, let's check it out. I've not seen that before. <laughs> All I can't just a nine but one one best word. Okay. I have loved oh no, what's it? I have loved you. Oh I could say what did I do? Gonna hide it. There's two. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say, in what where have I loved us? Have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Says the Lord. Yet Jacob I have loved. Next verse. But Esau I have hated. And laid waste his mountain and his heritage for a jackal of the Then it's interesting. Romans 9. Look at God. When God came, God said, Jacob is the one I like. The one everyone is calling a thief. Jacob is the guy that spent 14 years of his life looking for women. This is unacceptable. How can you go and use 14 years of your life chasing women? Just two women, at least. When you finish, let me 100 women. Just two. 14 years. Oh, 
The day his brother met him. Ah, this is so funny. The day his brother, his brother asked Bauda, this guy, I'll kill him when I catch him. When his brother met the guy, ah, he won this guy. Ah. The Bible said that. The Bible said that. When, 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 when Jacob was going to meet his brother, he was afraid. And the number that comes all the blessings that you have, you, have, you, have, you have collected. He should have more men, he should have more everything, more everything. But was afraid of his brother, the brother had mighty men. He came with 300 men to meet his brother. Jacob had to have 12 children. He couldn't believe that this father Jacob had made out of the blessings. He couldn't believe it. This is what did the blessings for 14, for 14 years. Even then, Esau could not see, could still not see what the blessing was about. God knew that this guy, I can't use him. Jacob, this is, Esau is the one that, and you see, it tells you how spiritual Jacob was. The first chance he got to ask him to his brother, he said, I want your birthright. The first chance he got. The very first chance he got. What do you want? I want your birthright. What you looking for? There was no coronation service. There was nothing. He better to take it, and that he knew he had it. The very first chance he got, he told you how spiritual the guy was. God wanted that kind of person. That's the guy God wants. Not the guy that watched his birthright and saw food and said, "I prefer food over this thing." I said the last time. Now listen, no matter how hungry you are in this life, no matter how hungry you are, no matter how bad your phone is, you never go to watch it and say, Madam, give me watch it because I'm very hungry. Take my phone. It's not possible. It's not possible. Let our screen be broken. And be so like the unfortunate food you're using. Even when you're yam, you're using yam, yam. You're using. No matter how hungry you are, you will not go to watch it and say, Madam, give me watch it and take my phone. That's what Esau did. With his birthright. The value of his birthright was a plate of watching. That is what Esau did. No matter how much you are dying in your room, three days you're not eating, you will not sell your phone and get buy food. Let me not say sell your phone. You're not going to exchange your, food, your, your phone for food. You need that phone. To borrow credit <laughs> and call beauty. Beauty, beauty. It's not good here. It's not good here. It's not, it's not good here. They said, Thank you. Thank you. Beauty, you are here. You send it. Send it. I charge it. I charge it. But I can't withdraw. But I see this here. What's the video you can withdraw from an agent? What's the video you can withdraw? What do you do for you? What are you talking about? Ah, five cities will do for you. Ah. So, where do you live? <laughs> no good for you. Ah, because it isn't. If you see the picture, no, 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 no. Do I understand? Do I know? Do I understand? If you see our five cities, do I understand? Do I understand why this? Do I understand what this is? What is wrong? Do I understand? Do I understand? That's what it's all did. Think about how could God use this guy? God could not use this guy. They made light of it. They made light. And I was saying the last time, when you are deciding, you have to, you have to watch your decisions in life. Watch how you decide. On what basis do you decide? Are your decisions based on spiritual things 
When Jacob got the chance, he says, I want your birthright. He knew what it was worth. He knew. He knew what it was worth. He knew. He knew there was something. Listen, listen to this. Are you aware that when, when Jacob was getting... Listen, there were two things that Jacob robbed Esau of. His birthright and his inheritance. Follow. Follow. When Jacob was asking for the guy's birthright, he didn't think that it also meant that he would take his inheritance. He didn't know, he didn't know that. He didn't know that. So it's not that he thought that in getting the birthright, it would mean that he has the inheritance as well. It didn't mean to. Actually, if you think about it, Israel, um, Isaac, if you think about it, Isaac didn't really give the inheritance to Esau because he was the firstborn. And because he was the son, he laughed. Maybe he loved him because of the firstborn. But if you think about it, Isaac just loved Esau. The Bible says that Isaac loved Esau. And the mother loved Jacob. So it wasn't because of the firstborn or anything. I'm sure because of hardworking. The other guy complains. Every day you are in this house, you don't work. Lazy guy. So sorry if I didn't like him. So it wasn't really because he was the firstborn. The father just wanted to give the blessings to him. Maybe you can be because he was the firstborn. Maybe. But he didn't really say that it was because he was firstborn. So actually, when Jacob was stealing his brother's birthright, it was not because he thought he would get a blessing in return. It wasn't because all of a sudden, because now he has the, uh, uh, what the birthright, now he better respect him more. Nothing. He knew what it was worth. He knew what the promise was. He could see the promise. What God had promised Abraham. He wanted to be part of that promise. It was nothing physical. He just knew what he wanted. Give me your birthright. That Jacob was just playing with. He didn't know. That it was all for someone to say that the God of... That is why Jacob... No matter how bad he was as a person, he was the one that the whole Israel is there for him today. His sons are there. You see, the guy could see. He could see the mind of God. What do you decide based on? You must watch your life. What are the things that you factor in when you are deciding? Look at Lot and Abraham. The Bible said that Lot and Abraham, they were two people. Lot and Lot was Abraham's nephew. So the Bible said that Lot was blessed because of Abraham. He was mightily blessed because of Abraham. And a time came where they became so powerful that they couldn't coexist. His people were always fighting. The headsmen of Abraham and the headsmen of Lot kept always fighting. They were always, always, fight, uh, always fighting. And the Bible said that Abraham came to Lot and says, let's just separate. If you say you go to left, I'll go right. So choose. The Bible said that Abraham Lot looked to this side and saw that it was green and said, that's what I want. You see, the issue, the issue, the issue was not that. And if I think about this thing carefully, I realized that the issue was not that Lot didn't consult his, his, his uncle 
in, in deciding where it should go. But it was because Lot made a canal decision. I'll tell you why. Lot made a very canal decision and decided to go to where it was green. Because Lot didn't factor in what God thought. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't spring up after Lot went there. It was always there. They all knew it was there. They all knew Sodom and Gomorrah. They knew what it stood for. They knew what was there. Yet, despite it, Lot said, you go there. Because it was green. It's like a Christian saying that, this is why I want to work. Why? The salary is good. They say you work on Sunday, yet the salary is good, so I'll still go there. That's what it is. That's what the Lord did. That's the representation. Sodom was there. It will make you canal. The land is green, so I'll go there. That is what the Lord did. What are the basis for your decisions? What are the foundations of your decisions? He made light of it. The things that will rob you of your, of your place in Christ, of your, of your service to God, you still want it because the salary is good. The salary is good. That's what Lord did. He watched the place. Ah, the land is green. But Sodom is there. It doesn't matter. The land is green. The Bible says a lot of a righteous man. But he lived in a place where that didn't invest his righteous soul. He was a righteous man. God called him a righteous man. Yet he lived among people who constantly vest his righteous soul. A righteous man. What was he doing there? After the world. Be careful how you decide. Don't make light of the things of God. Every, every day of your life, you get the opportunity to, 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 to prove your commitment to God. So they made light of it. 